You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. This morning, we're going to open up from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and go over there. Deuteronomy chapter 6, page 151. Um, that was kind of a joke, kind of not. Um, what would be wonderful is if someone like brought their Bible to church and I said that, and you were like, oh, like that's my, the same page. It, yeah, anyways, <clears throat> it would be neat. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. And this is Moses, and he's writing this to the Israelites, and he's trying to prepare them for how they're going to move into this land that God has promised and the values that they are to live their lives with. And this particular text is part of what is called the Shema. And the Shema is the most important prayer in the Jewish culture. They recite it twice per day, once in the morning, and once before bed, they, they face eastward and they cover their eyes in an attempt to focus. And they recite these portions of scripture as well as a few other portions of scripture where this passage we just read is from. And the word Shema is the Hebrew word for hearing. And the literal translation for the word hear is synonymous with the word obey. There's not a Hebrew word, actually, for the word obey. There's no word that just says straight up obey. It's shema, it's hear. Because when you say hear, you're not just saying 
listen with your ears and give attention to it, you're also being expected to take action and to do something with it as well. And so obedience and hearing are synonymous with this word Shema. The purpose of the Shema is to listen and to obey by remembering our need for God, by remembering that he is the central importance to our lives. And Moses is addressing the people here so that they would fear the Lord so that they would take him seriously and that they would shema or they would obey him and hear him lest they would forget trusting in him and trusting the one who's led them out of Egypt, the one who's given them provision and the one who holds their future in his hands. And he said, teach these things to your kids, teach these things to your children, to your grandchildren. He said, make sure this goes beyond your lifetime. Make sure these are the things that they understand. Make sure these are the things that they see that God is about that matters. And he's going to give you things that you were not necessarily a part of because he's trying to do something in you and through you for his glory. And as we've been going through this series moving forward, I was thinking about this idea of honoring the past and embracing the future because God has done amazing things in our past as a church. I've been spending this past week sitting down with various people that have been around BCC for a long time. And I've been asking them a lot of questions. I've been looking up old newspaper articles, and I found some pretty old ones, I mean, and some things that were pretty amazing to read. And it's been absolutely amazing to hear the stories of how God has always provided, how God has always been faithful. And, and some of you may not know some of the past of this church. Maybe you're relatively new to BCC, or maybe no one's ever shared some of these things with you before. But in April of 1963, Five families from Erie, Illinois began meeting for a small group Bible study, and this became Bettendorf Christian Church. That's how our church started, five families intentionally moving to this region, and they began gathering, and they started a church. In March of 1964, the first church building for BCC was dedicated on Tanglefoot Lane. It's the present uh, site for Morningstar Academy. Some of you only know it as Morningstar Academy. Some of you actually worshipped in that building when it was called Bettendorf Christian Church, and some of you remember that, and you are part of that. And God has just done some amazing and great things. So BCC is turning 60 years old in 2023, and God has used this church and used these people to make a huge eternal impact. BCC, some of you may not have known this, has planted several cities within the Quad Cities. There are churches that exist in the Quad Cities because there were groups of people from this body that went out and actually planted a church. Some of those people came back, but some of those people stayed at that, at that church plant. There have been several churches that have been planted all over the world because of what God has done through the people of BCC. God has worked through this church to raise up and send out missionaries who are living out the Great Commission. People who grew up in this church that have now been sent out into the mission field and that are doing things in very difficult and challenging places all over the world for the kingdom of God. And we thank God 
For all of the men and women who have been in leadership roles, volunteer roles, people who have prayed, people who have fasted, people who have dedicated countless hours to painting walls, to making phone calls, doing visits, people loving on others through the ups and downs, people serving children who are now adults with children of their own, people serving families, people caring for the elderly and those who are in need, people going out in these cities and doing amazing things through the various love projects that our church has done throughout the years. And when we look back on all of those things and we see how God has just continued to move, man, I believe that our church's history, through all the ups and downs, through all the bumps and bruises, I believe that it glorifies and honors God. And I believe that it's made a great impact on these cities. And I believe it's made a great impact on eternity because BCC has been in the past and always will be built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and the word of God, amen? That's why we say here at BCC, we start with scripture. Scripture is that starting point for us And we love to look back and see what all God has done. God gave the children of Israel wells they did not dig. I I love this text that we just read. Because I began to think about what God was using Moses to say to the people. In that moment when Moses is giving this command to the people and giving this speech to the people, he's telling them, he's saying, guys, Where God is leading you and where God is going to bring us, and not just us, but those who will outlive us, they're going to be recipients of things that they did not have any part or any hand in helping to bring it to fruition. There's going to be cities that you're going to be able to live in that you didn't have any hand in building. There's going to be wells that you're going to draw from that you didn't spend all the hours digging Someone else dug that. You are the benefactor of someone else's labor who has gone before you and who has done something. He lets them know there's going to be crops and trees that you're going to eat from. You didn't plant those things. You didn't plant those crops. You weren't a part of that, but you are a benefactor of that. And when I think about what all God has done in our church, man, I wasn't here in 1963. I wasn't even alive in 1963. I wasn't even here in 2020 when this part of our church that we're worshiping in now um, was being finished. I wasn't even here then. I got here on uh, uh, Easter of 21. And I look at all of the things that God has blessed us with that has put us in a position to do things that are gonna continue to impact beyond our lifetime, that are going to continue to impact eternity. And like what Moses was trying to get in the hearts of the people of Israel, I want to get in the heart of our church family today. This is the thing that I want us to understand is that we honor the past and we are thankful for it, but there's a purpose for it. And it's the same purpose of what Moses was trying to get the people to focus on when he gave this speech. And the key part of this speech that Moses gave to the people was this. He said, God's going to give you all of these things. He said, and you need to remember because you've got all of these things that you don't somehow think it was because of something you did. But rather you realize it's something I gave you, something I set you up for. 
And so all of the work, all of the labor, all of the moves of God that have happened in the 60 years of this church's existence, I love all of the thoughts that I have of, and the, the articles I've read and the stories I've heard about what things were possibly like back then. And I love how God has used it. But he hasn't brought us here just so we can stay here, amen? He's brought us here so we can remember all the things that he's done, all the victories that have happened, all of the souls that have been saved, all of the eternities that have been impacted, all of the groundwork that has been laid, all the wells that have been dug, all of the buildings that have been built, all of the resources, all the people who have gone before. It's so we can remember this is God's. And God has done this, lest we take credit and think somehow it was us who did it. And that's exactly what Moses was trying to get in the hearts of the people because he's saying, where you're gonna go, I've given you these things because I've put you in a position to do what I have created you to do and what I want the next generation to do and the generation after that. And so that's why you're getting these things, not because of you, not because of what you've done, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it. Instead, it's grace, amen? And it's the mission and the vision that God has for our lives and that God has for this church. And so, yes, I love honoring the past. I love hearing those stories and I love being able to keep those memories alive and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I believe that the reason we have those things and we're in the position we're in is so we can honor the past but move forward to what God's called us to, amen? And it's exactly the same heart, lest we think that somehow it's us who came up with all of this. Every time that we have this... Uh, uh, idea of what we get comfortable with and all of a sudden it begins to feel threatened at a certain level. Uh, a lot of people are afraid and I think that fear does something to us. The enemy uses fear. He uses fear to immobilize us, to get us to stay frozen. He uses fear to make us angry. He, he, caused, he uses fear to try to divide us and really what we're afraid of is we're afraid of losing something. We're afraid of losing something. And when we're afraid of losing something, here's the telling thing of that from a heart's position, is that when I'm afraid of losing something, oftentimes it's because I thought that I had something to do with holding it together. I wanna to say that again. A lot of times when we're afraid of losing something, it's because we feel like we had something to do with holding it all together. When we give our kids to God, when we give the next generation to God, when we give our church family to God, when we give our work situation to God, when we realize, oh, this is all his, I just get to be a part of this, then all of a sudden I look at myself now as a person who can be humble before what God wants me to be humble for and to submit myself to his hand and in due season he will exalt me, he will lead me, he will guide me, and it's not something that's hinging on my ability to hold everything together. Because man, that fear, we will oftentimes get paralyzed in that. And Moses wants the children of Israel in this story, in this Shema prayer, he wants them to understand, listen, you guys don't have to hold all of this together. You have a responsibility in it, 
but you don't have to hold it all together because you aren't the ones who put it all together. It's God's. God led you here. God blessed these efforts. God led these efforts. God led all these things before you and God's going to lead you to where you're going to go. And when you take possession of all of these things, God's giving you those things, not because you thought you somehow now had to hold it all together. Oh no. Oh no. Because God said it was me who gave it to you in the first place. You see, it's from God and it's meant to be used for his glory. Amen. And that's every one of us. When, man, that control is threatened, when that fear wants to immobilize us from stepping out into the unknown, when that fear wants to keep us in this place of, of, of what's comfortable, what's safe, what's familiar, I don't believe that that's what God has called this church to because there were people who had to step out in 1963 and do something that was uncomfortable so we could be sitting where we are today. And we thank God for them. But at the same time, they didn't step out in 1963 and do something incredible for God so all of us could just be comfortable. They wanted the next generation to keep stretching and trusting God and stepping out in faith, amen? You see, no one's laying the groundwork for us just to be comfortable so that we can just be passive with everything. No, no, no. That faith that was required to start this church and to get this church moving in the direction that God wanted it is gonna be the same faith in God that it's gonna take to reach these cities and to take these things to the next level and to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, amen? It's that same type of faith. It's that faith that sees what was modeled before and says, yes, I, 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 I wanna have a faith to trust God like that, to, to attempt something for God like that. Because man, I, I look back and I see, wow, there were people who had the faith to move, to be able to start something without any promise or any you know, guarantees that it was all gonna work out and go the way they had hoped and dreamed. But yet God began to move. There were buildings that were built that uh, God used for his glory and still is using for his glory. Through all the ups and downs, all the situations, all the different things, some of you, man, you've been here for a while and you've been a part of that, just like there were people with Moses, man. They remember what it was like being slaves in Egypt. And yeah, they've seen God do a lot of things. And they were a part of that. Some, some were little babies. Some weren't even born yet. But some people remembered what that was like back then. And when they stepped out and trusted in God, they remember all the bumps along the way. They remember the times that, oh yeah, hey, remember that time? When this happened or that happened, and yeah, I remember Moses got really mad and threw those stone tablets down. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that time that God parted the Red Sea and we walked over on dry ground? That was insane. Like that story to me would just never get old. Like I would just always be thinking about crazy stuff like that. You remember that, that, that pillar of cloud by day? You remember that fire by night? You remember how God protected? You remember manna? Like you remember all these things? Like all these things that they had seen God do, they could go back and they could see that God had given these things to them, blessed them. But the reason God had been walking with them through all those ups and downs was to keep them moving forward into what he had for them. And so we are thankful to be serving and moving forward on a foundation that has such a rich and fruitful investment. But we have to remember, it's not just so that we can be comfortable. We wanna trust God and set up for the future. We, our hearts need to always be tempered with thankfulness and gratefulness. 
but yet to keep moving forward. He said, God's leading you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And that sounds weird to us, right? Because like, I don't, I, I don't think about this milk and honey combo you know, as something that sounds really exciting. And the land that, that, that flows with milk and honey, it always makes me think about the VeggieTales song. If you guys are from that generation or your kids are from that generation, they sing a song about going to the promised land that says, I hear it's flowing with milk and honey. And someone says, sounds sticky. And that's exactly what I think about. I hear it's flowing with milk and honey. It sounds sticky. What's the purpose of the milk and honey. And if you look at what does milk and honey mean to the Jewish people, even to this day, when they hear milk and honey. And they have this idea and this concept when they say milk and honey, they're not talking about like actual milk and honey, but they're talking about this provision. And they're talking about this idea of the fact that, that, that there's provision for them, that God has set up for them, that is going to be things that they need to be sustained, but also things that are going to be things God wants them to enjoy as well. And he's going to have these blessings flow out. And it's in the same manner of this manna that God gave to the children of Israel. You remember the story, if you've been around church for a while, where when the children of Israel were like, man, where's our food gonna come from? And they would just wake up in the morning and God had provided this stuff called manna that was on the ground and they would scoop it up into baskets and they would eat this stuff and God just provided for them. He just gave them all of these things and it's a wonderful story about God's provision. But then they even began to complain about that and they began to say, well, God, we want something else. And then when they go into the promised land, you can read this in the book of Joshua in chapter four and five, when they finally go over into the promised land, there's an interesting text where they go and they actually taste of the fruit of the land and scripture says this. It says the manna stopped flowing that day. The manna stopped flowing the day that they tasted the fruit of the, the land, of the promised land. And, and I think about this, man, the, the promised land, if you're eating fruit, if you're eating some of the vegetation, well, that just doesn't fall on the ground every morning like manna. Manna was just something that's boom, it's there. You didn't do anything for it. You didn't have any responsibility other than to scoop it up and eat it. That was literally your job, scoop and eat. I can handle scooping and eating. I don't know about you. Scoop and eat, scoop and eat. That's all I have to do with manna, right? Not a lot of complication, thing, but think about the fruit of the land. Think about the fruit. Man, I gotta do a lot to that. Man, I gotta take care of the, the, the vineyard. I gotta take care of... Now tilling and, 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 and like plowing the ground and cultivating seed, watering and harvesting and, and have to try to keep the pests away. Oh man, now it's, it's a job, but, 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 but. The promised land was better than the manna. That's why God made the manna bland. They complained about the manna because maybe it was bland, but God had something better for them, but it was gonna require something of them that they had to walk in this partnership with God. And it's the same idea with this milk and honey as you go into this land as God leads us into where he wants us to go. Yes, there's things that God did in the past that man, it's wonderful and you can just see the provision of God in it and there was, there, it was just one of these crazy God moments. But then there's also these things that God does where he gives you something and it's just a part of something and he wants to put it in your hands so that you can use it but it does require you to step out. It requires you to get uncomfortable. Well, God, I just want you to dump everything in my lap. Well, so does everybody else, right? 
But it requires us. And here's the thing, the further along you get in this journey with God and the more mature that you get, there comes a place where you have to make a decision as a mature believer who's already gotten all of this knowledge, who's already had all these experiences, who's already seen God do all these amazing things. You get to this place, you get to this crossroads where you have to make a decision. Am I going to now take what all I've learned, what all I have been given, and am I going to actually shema? Have I heard and obeyed? Am I actually going to step out in faith? Or am I just wanting stuff to be given to me? I want to go back to, to manna. I want to go back to where it was easier. Oh, man, you know, it doesn't sound so bad now that I'm out there in the sweat and the, uh, in the heat of the day and I'm having to cultivate all of these things and take care of all these things, but it's better. The promised land was better. And you have to believe that what God has is better, but it's going to require something of you too. It's going to require you sacrificing your comfort. It's going to require you taking a step to truly trusting in God with what he's already given you. So yeah, you've got these cities you didn't build. You've got these wells you didn't dig. You've got these crops that you didn't plant. But now, man, God's requiring something of you. God's wanting you to step up. And he's wanting you to stretch beyond what is comfortable because so many of us get to this place of comfort and we do this in our lives. We do this in our walk with God. We even do this in church. We look back on our history and we go, oh man, that's great. Isn't it so great? All that work was done and we can just hit the cruise control button and God's saying, no, that's, I have something else for you. I have something else I want you to step into, but it's gonna require you to stretch. It's gonna require you to say yes to some greater things because that's what happened initially and that's what God's calling us to do. And here's our big idea for today. What God has done should inspire faith for what he will do. What God has done should inspire faith for what he will do. So there's this two-part dichotomy to faith, just like the Shema. It's not just hearing with my ears, it's hearing and obeying. And just like with faith, there's this dichotomy of yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but it activates when I step out and I actually do something for God, amen? And so we honor those who have gone before, but we must continue to move forward. And the Shema is intended to position us to hear, and we have heard when we listen and obey. And here's what I believe, BCC. I believe that God is speaking, and I believe God is leading I believe he's highlighting direction and focus for us as a church, for as individuals, for us as, as families. And I believe it's going to look different maybe than things that you've seen before. I, I believe it's going to, I don't know exactly everything that God's wanting to do, but, but there's something he's stirring in hearts of people. And there's a reason that he's given us the things that he's given us. And it's not just so we can create some kind of Christian country club. It's not so we can just live in the comfort of Christian subculture and, and feel safe in our bubble. It's not so we can be safe in, in, in Christian activity and Christian studies and all those things. I, I love Christian activity. I love Christian studies. I think all those things are good. We won't stop doing those things, but but the reason all those things were given was not just so we could be comfortable existing in that subculture. While we're here and we have all of our creature comforts as a church and we have all of the things that we can enjoy and we slap a Christian label on everything. We have Christian sports, we have Christian candy bars, we have Christian, you know, we have Christian everything, man. Christian clothing, 
And we have this whole subculture. We have Christian television. We have Christian this and Christian that and Christian that. And we can exist so much in that subculture and think, oh, we're just enjoying all of the benefits of what other people have done before. And isn't this nice that we get to enjoy all of this Christian protected, safe, comfortable, my people, right? Subculture. And there's a reason that all those wells were dug. There's a reason all of those buildings were built, all those things were done, all those crops were planted. And it wasn't so we could just exist selfishly and just kind of keep to ourselves and do our thing. It was so we could keep moving forward with the mission that God has called us to, amen? Lest we think somehow we deserve this or we're entitled to this and we just get comfortable. No, 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 it's gonna require more of our time. It's going to require more sacrifice from us. It's going to require more faith. It's going to require more of this idea of the Shema, this hearing and obeying. It's going to require obedience-based discipleship where we don't move on from something that God's doing in us until we obey it. Because too many times we hear something, it convicts us, it moves us, it motivates us, and we just move on to something else without having obeyed. Well, if we're not obeying, then we haven't shamad, we haven't heard, we haven't really heard. It's become more head knowledge. So many people in the name of Christ are walking around with all this head knowledge. It's good knowledge. But the obedience, man, it's out of balance. The submission to what we've heard is out of balance. The dedication and the focus to, to submit to that and, and to obey that, it's out of balance. And we're just chasing after more knowledge and more experiences and we're getting lopsided. And we're wanting God to just dump manna on us, but God's calling us to something better. The manna was a provision to move the children of Israel from point A to point B. But now that he's wanting us to keep moving forward, it's going to require something of us because all of that was given to you. So now that you're in the place where God wanted you to be, you could do the things God wanted you to do. And so you could live for his glory. So you could pass these things on. Remember what he said. Oh my goodness. Remember what he said. Read this again. He said, now, this is the command, the statutes, the rules that the Lord God has commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you're going over to possess. He says, this is how you're going to behave. These are the values you're going to live out when you step into this thing God's called you to. That you may fear the Lord your God. And that you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all the statutes, his commands which I command you all the days of your life, so that your days may be long. So hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen to this verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words I command you today, they need to be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about these things in your house when you sit down when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you get up. This is an all-consuming thing. 
This isn't just compartmentalized Christianity. This isn't a compartmentalizing where I check it off and I, I've done my, my God stuff over here. No, he's saying all of your activities, when you're with your kids, teach your kids these things. Teach your grandkids these things. Show them the value and the importance of this. Because one day you're not going to be here. What type of faith have you handed down to the next generation? How often have you talked about these things? How much dependence upon God have you modeled and shown them and talked to them about? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, on the gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities you didn't build, houses full of all good things you didn't fill, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and you're full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's the Lord your God who you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. This is what he's called us to do. He's called us to remember so that we can move forward. Church, we don't get to hit cruise control. We don't get to just simply wait till everything's set so we can exhale. As long as we await Christ's return, there is a great commission, amen? There is something bigger than Sunday, bigger than Bettendorf, beyond our lifetime for us to invest in. And so I look back on the past and I go, awesome, thank you God. But there's still more churches to plant. There's still more reach to be expanded for the kingdom of God. There's still more people that need to be sent out into the mission field. There's still stronger discipling relationships that we must enter into. There's more people to share our faith with. We must serve more than we have. We must live more generously than we have. We must care for one another more than we have. We must die to ourselves more than we have. We must believe that this investment is worth it. We must, we have to, because if we're not gonna do it, who's gonna do it? Who else are we waiting on? If not now, when? Like, what are we waiting on? We have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit. What are we, what are we waiting on? What is God stirring in you to take what He's given you that other people have invested in and to do something with? What is God calling you to? 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the Apostle Paul, I love what he says here where he talks about this idea, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Even if I love you more, man, am I to be loved less? He felt like the more that he was loving on them, the less he was loved, and he's, he was telling them it's still worth it. He'll still gladly do it. So it's not about anything I get out of the deal. It's for the glory of God. It's to invest. It's what we're called to do. And so I've asked this this year, to have a prayer focus, to be humble and to repent, to have unity in mission, to have a greater love for God and a greater love for one another that puts a guard over our heart and over our mouths and to have a greater love for these cities and for the next generation so that we can invest and live beyond our lifetime. And I hope you're praying that with us. I hope you're joining in that. And then you're not just taking that as a suggestion or a good idea because church, I believe God has done a lot of amazing things in the past, but I am very excited about what he's doing now and what he's gonna do in our future, amen? The people that are gonna be reached, 
the people who are far away from God, the people who it seems like they, 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 they once were a part of the family of God and now they don't want anything to do with Christianity, but then they experience something real, genuine, authentic, something that connects with them. And now all of a sudden they begin to ask questions. They begin to feel loved, accepted, welcomed right where they're at in their current state. They experience the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of God, the reconciliation, the healing, the rebuilding of trust, all of those things that are gonna need to happen. That's gonna not be because of a pastor or because of a certain person. It's gonna be because the body of Christ says, yeah, we're going to step up and be the people of God that he's called us to be in our everyday lives and collectively on mission as we gather. So I believe God's doing great things and he's gonna continue to do great things as we honor the past and embrace the future. So let's pray. God, you know all of the things that have been done, the groundwork that's been laid, all the wonderful things that we can celebrate and we thank you for that. Thank you for all the people who have served that brought us to this day, to this time, to this moment even, Lord. Thank you for using people in that way for your glory, for your kingdom. And Lord, help us to focus on what lies ahead so that we can step out in faith, much like people before us have, to trust you for big things, to trust you for great things, and to see you move in these cities, to see you move in hearts, to see you move in this church, to see you move, God, all over the world to impact eternity well beyond any of our lifetimes, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Use us. We trust you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.